Hello, and welcome to episode 165 of the Heart of Markness Led Zeppelin podcast. Welcome. This is a good one. Um, last week's episode, 164, featured the same, uh, the, the same show that I'm covering today, but it's such an awesome show and such a nice upgrade uh, that I wanted to... Sh- you know, show more of it, and I got a lot of folks saying they want a part two as well. So you got your part two, which is great. Makes it easier for me, and it's just an amazing show. I have listened to this so much over the past two weeks. It's a flawed recording, but it is so much better. And when everything's clear and it's just Jimmy, it's incredible. It, it sounds amazing. It's just. You know, 80% Jimmy, 20% the rest of the band, which is fine because Jimmy's playing great and it's enough to hear the rest of the band. This is much better, in my experience, with headphones. Or if you're driving and you're listening to this, if you shift your balance to the left about a third, maybe a half to bring up some of that channel. Uh, if that works, it may not work because looking at the spectral signatures of the of the waveforms in Audacity, there isn't a huge disparity between right and left channels. So the volume of information may be the same coming out. It's just, uh, it seems at least when I'm wearing the headphones, it sounds to me like the right channel is all Jimmy and the left channel is Jimmy and the rest. But... Who knows? Your mileage may vary. Consult your physician if it lasts more than four hours. All right. We're kind of going to hop along here because I did all the big talking about this show last week. So this is more like a, uh, all right, here you go. So, all right, here you go. Actually, I'm going to play Communication Breakdown, and it's in this, this is a song where Jimmy is very, 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 very experimental at this show, very psychedelic. And I kind of postulated that this may have something to do with the Velvet Underground, being that the Boston Tea Party was um, a second home for the Velvet Underground. They played there all the time. They had residencies there. They played there all the time. They were the, they were the band that played before Zeppelin. Zeppelin played the 23rd, 24th, 25th, and 26th, I think. Maybe with a day off there. And uh, the Underground was playing January 22nd. And I think, since the boys had what looks like, according to the schedule that I could see, uh, a few days off between their gig in Detroit, I think it was. They had a gig that was canceled, or a series of gigs that were canceled. So they had some free time. I wouldn't be surprised if they came to Boston at least a day early to to hit up the radio stations and press some flesh and uh, raise some awareness about this brand new band that nobody knows shit about. And I would not be surprised if they checked out the Velvet Underground while they were in town because there wasn't a better gig in Boston on that day. And the Underground are cool as shit. Um, Jimmy had a few connections to them through Andy Warhol and the Yardbirds and Nico. Just the year before, with the with the uh, Yardbirds, he did something with Andy Warhol. I've seen pictures of uh, everybody all together. So, 
Maybe. Maybe it's just Jimmy spreading and re- spreading his wings. Maybe he just felt good. Maybe he just felt bad. I don't know. I I hear in the in the spirit of Jimmy's playing. I hear a little bit of that Velvet Underground. Chaos, dissonance, dissonance, which is more of a John Cale thing. But who knows, man? Who knows? I could be completely full of shit. But it's just something that I was like, oh, it kind of reminds me of the Velvet Underground. And then I was like, huh. I looked into it, and there's a possible scenario. Not saying it's true, but I'm not saying it isn't. All right, we're going to listen to Communication Breakdown first, which has some a really cool beginning and some really really interesting playing from Jimmy that I had not heard before. It is wild. It is wicked. It is, um, in typical Jimmy standard, he does a great, great buildup to the song. And then when it's time to go into he fucks it up a little bit, which is something I would do. And I relate to it. And it's very, very Jimmy and it's endearing. So endears, <laughs> Grab your ears, dears, and get over here and listen to Communication Breakdown from January 6th, 1969 at the January 26th, 1969 at the Boston Tea Party. This is an upgraded recording. It is a what seems to be a lower generation transfer of the tape, uh, lower than anything that we've had previously, less distorted, less harsh, less unlistenable and uh like i said headphones try headphones if you don't like it but it sounds pretty good to these ears although it is very unbalanced but i don't expect people to bring a mike millard rig to a 1969 gig by a band nobody's heard of before because their album isn't even out yet or if it is it just came out the other day because it's january 69 they've only been in the country for a month and they're still probably flying commercial and still probably sharing rental cars, sitting in a giant van with all their shit. Uh, miserable and smelly because they're young men who aren't rich yet. So, here we go. Communication breakdown. Catch the magic. <laughs> Thank you. 
Very nice. It definitely sounds lower gen. Because Jimmy's tone is great. His control of the wah when he's playing, unbelievable. And just that... I don't know. It sounds interesting to me. I hope you liked it. Uh, Robert is, of course, getting the short end of the stick at this part of the Led Zeppelin experience. Uh, for a couple of reasons. The first being that um, PA systems... You know, the singer, the PA systems are, are typically at this level of touring, as I understand it, at that time. Uh, PA systems, which is what the singer would sing through, are just provided by the house. You use the Boston Tea Party PA system. They plug Robert into that. And uh, the second thing is that 1969, early 1969, PA systems were technologically... Uh, very modest and incredibly underpowered for the loud hard rock that now existed because uh, an amplification system and speaker system that was set up and designed for you know uh, tie a yellow ribbon round that old oak tree is not going to have the horsepower and strength and tenacity to compete with Jimmy and Jonesy and Bonzo. Now, they weren't playing through Marshall Stacks yet. They were still using fairly shitty equipment relatively to what they would, you know, their status shortly thereafter. Um, but it was loud. But the, the, the low generation aspect of the tape, when I hearing uh, Bonzo's cymbals, when he's hitting the hi-hat or hitting the ride cymbal, it it almost, I can almost hear everything. I can almost hear the ridges on the bell of the ride cymbal kind of thing, which indicates a lower generation because that's the stuff that you lose. Like I've spoken before of being able to hear the, the meat of the hands of the people who are clapping by the mic on a, like a Mike Millard recording or on a low gen or a master recording. You get that. When the master recording, you, you get the, the sweat and the heat from the, the everybody in the venue. And um, the vibe comes through more. And you get some of those. You can hear the, the, the on the strings, the, the windings on the strings of the guitars. You can hear the shuffling in of the drum stool. You can hear the snares on the drum. The more. It's just, it's just better, you know, which is why low gens are better. That makes sense. Because you can make a really great first-gen copy and get almost all of that. But you do lose a little bit of magic with analog transfers. Just a touch. Although, a perfect transfer, uh, when done on the right equipment with the right ears and the right tape, you know, can be, can be uh, indistinguishable. And most people don't care anyways at that point. But it does make a difference. This is an upgrade and... Uh, Nobody bitched about the quality so far. Everybody's said it's an upgrade. It's brought some people back to listen to this show because this is one of the legendary shows. It's usually in most people's top 10 lists or if not top 10, top 30 because, you know, the internet allows us to be so much more so, so much more bountiful a stock to uh, derive one's lists because everything is there for... Uh, Free download if you know where to look. It's not hard. Google will tell you. 
um, like heartofmarkness.com, for example. You can download this complete concert at heartofmarkness.com right now. I put it up there last week. It's been there for a week. You can get it. In fact, if you haven't gotten it yet, uh, here's the set list. They open with Train Kept a Rollin', going to I Can't Quit You Baby, Killing Floor, which is the Lemon song by another name, basically, and it's fucking insane. Dazed and Confused, also fucking insane. You Shook Me, amazing. Communication Breakdown, holy shit, right? Um, That was the end of set one. Now we're moving into set two, which is White Summer, Black Mountainside, Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You, Pat's Delight, which was uh, Bonzo solo before it be, you know before they crafted Moby Dick, and following up with how many more times with the medley of Duke of Earl, Duke, 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 Duke of Earl, kisses sweeter than ever, for your love, and over under sideways down. At this point in their career, they were still shoehorning in, if not Yardbird songs, Yardbird's references in their songs so that if there was somebody there who was a Yardbirds fan going to see Jimmy's new band they would go "Ah, I I know that song when they hear it which everybody does and it's fun everybody loves that alright what are we going to play next what are we going to play next Marky we are going to play here I made a a judgment call on this Uh, I'm going to play Babe I'm going to leave you which is excellent which is excellent, but uh, I almost omitted because of the aforementioned Robert Plant PA system issue where, I mean, Hammer of the Gods had written about how there were times when the PA would go out and Robert would just sing and the volume of his voice could be heard above the band. That's kind of what you're hearing on these tapes because either the PA is woefully underpowered, uh, which I'm, I'm sure is a factor, or something that is also quite likely is that uh, the microphone is not near a PA speaker. So you're, it's near Jimmy's speaker. So you're getting that over everybody else. But because of that, what's being picked up on the microphone of the tape recorder is Robert's natural ambient voice. It doesn't sound like it's coming from a, an amplification module. So that lends credence to the fact that Robert's voice was amazing ridiculously powerful and that's why i'm playing babe i'm gonna leave you because the shit he does you know you guys know if, if you've been listening to zeppelin for a while live you know that early 69 he's he's off the roll rails he's not in control 100 percent of his voice and you know they did no warm-ups he did no vocal exercises he didn't drink hot tea and take uh, steam baths like roger daltrey did and Roger Daltrey's fucking 80 years old almost, and he's still singing Who songs respectably. Which is great. He took care of his voice for his entire career. Robert did not. Robert was so careless and reckless with his voice, as careless and reckless as Jimmy was with his fingers. Um, that Janin, <laughs> Janice Joplin, uh, no teetotaler herself, uh, criticized him for for not taking care of his voice but you know what are you gonna do you're 20 years old you're going to live forever you're invincible you're invulnerable you smoke cigarettes because they're not gonna kill you you drink and party crazy because you're not gonna die 
You drive fucked up because you're not going to die. Youth. The invulnerability of youth. I miss it. Just the swagger. The confidence. And not the whole, are my knees going to explode if I jump off this? <laughs> okay, babe, I'm going to leave you, friends. So that that's why I chose this over Black Mountainside. Uh, White Summer Black Mountainside, which is awesome. It's just because this is really, I mean, hearing Robert's shrieks, air raids, as they're called, um, it's just incredible. The power of this young band and the fact that this audience is into it. I mean, there are people in the audience that are like, yeah, yeah, goddamn. I mean, he may not say goddamn, but it's it's with that energy and with that inflection. It's that same, it's coming from the same place. And, you know, it's their first tour. It is their first tour. You know, there are gigs that they're playing at this part of their career where they are and supporting act. You know, not for long because they are just steamrolling through. And as such, Peter Grant is like, look, look how fucking hot we are. Next time we come back, we are headlining. You're going to sell out and we're getting 90% of the money. Suck my dick, which is what they did. I mean, they did that from the start, but now they, you know, they they hit the ground running and earned that gravitas. And uh, that's how they did not get fucked over by the business, like the Beatles and the Stones and the Kinks and everybody before them. You know, the 60s were a lesson in getting fucked over. Jimmy was working for the studios as a session musician, so he learned the business as it was, and then instead of getting fucked over... He then fucked over people with shady stuff that was very common at the time. He didn't invent stealing songs, but saying songs <laughs> were his that weren't his. You know, that's what he got from the British music industry. He also learned how to produce. He also learned how to engineer. He also learned how to mic things. But there's that. All right, none of that fucking matters. Here's Daisy, I'm not Daisy Confused. Babe, I'm going to leave you. Boston Tea Party. This is that legendary gig that supposedly went four hours, even though nobody knew who they were. And I believe it. Here you go. Sorry for babbling.
Oh my god. That audience is enraptured. It's interesting. You got to remember it's a club, not a giant, not a theater, not a not a arena or anything. It's a club. There are at most hundreds of people there. And they are happy and they want more and they are impressed. This is an era when people listened to the music. And I'm not saying that they don't now. But there were people actually listening and grooving and and really into what the band was playing. And it wasn't so much an event like it became in 77 where it was, we're going to go see Zeppelin, man. Because you could go see Zeppelin for, you know, 12 bucks and have a night out like I did in high school. I'd go see concerts that I didn't, I wasn't like a big heart fan, but I saw heart. Because it's like, well, fuck, yeah, I'll go see Heart for 15 bucks with my friends. It'll be a good show. The songs I knew, I said, cool. The songs I didn't know, I either tuned out and talked with my friends, or I was like, oh, yeah, interesting. But it was an, it was an event. This uh, They're starting the fandom immediately. Because everybody that walked out of that show was a Zeppelin fan. <clears throat> holy shit. And they all went home and were like, holy shit. The band I saw tonight was insane. Man, oh man. And they did that in every town. But this one, something magical. Boston's a great rock and roll town. There is something about Boston that loves rock and roll for all the right reasons and in all the right ways. And uh, comedy, too. Or at least at least, all I can speak of is my time there and my generation, which is, you know, I'm the same age as other Bostonians. Comedy. A lot of comedy came out of Boston from that time in that generation, too. Joe Rogan, Bill Burr, Stephen Wright, Patrice O'Neill, Dane Cook. Uh, I mean, a trillion more. But I don't want to do that. All right. Well, hey. You there. With the cheeks as soft as magnolias. That's a sign on a building I go by on my way to work every day. Hey, you with the cheeks as soft as magnolias. Portland. Ah, you can find me. Did you know you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, all under the name Heart of Markness. Stands to reason, right? I also have the aforementioned heartofmarkness.com website where you can find not only the podcasts, but the links to the shows that I uh, illuminate feature features the word on the podcasts. And if you like what I do and you like how I do it, take a walk on over to patreon.com slash heart of Markness or hit the Patreon button on heart of Markness.com. See if there is something there of interest for you. If you want to support in a more material way, because we are living in a material world. Are you a material girl? These people are a laurel and hearty handshake go out to these titans upon whose shoulders rests this humble yet mighty podcast. Thank you to Stephen, George, Big Ed, Kenny. Kenny, your avatar is different. It's not the Kiss avatar anymore. Now I don't know what to think. John from West Footscray, Picard, Knegarn, Chris, Rob from Melbourne, Australia, 
Wayne, Brad, Danielle, Tracy, David, Bonzo Billy, and of course, Mimo. Thank you, you my friends. And also thank you to uh, patron emeritus Jeremy, who out of the blue, when I first started this, bought me this microphone. And uh, out of the blue, just boom, showed up at my door. He's a wonderful man, and I'm going to see him tomorrow. And his wonderful wife, Liz, who's also my best friend. And uh, going to have a great weekend. Hooray. Hope you all are having a good weekend, too. It is a holiday weekend here in the United States. So uh, we get a three-day weekend. Yay. How many more times? I will play it for you. How many more times? Yeah, let's get into that. It's a good one. It's a long one. And it has a lot of medleys. So please enjoy. This is them wrapping up. Well, at least as far as the tape is concerned. Wrapping up their second set. But apparently they did everything again. And then just jammed into the night. But who knows? I don't know if this is this show. It's rumored to be. So enjoy how many more times by the best band in the world showing everybody on their uh, debut that they are indeed the best band in the world. Enjoy. Thank you. 
Nice, nice, nice. With the Yardbirds tunes at the end with the Boeing. Jonesy, killing it. So good. What a great show. I hope you have enjoyed it, because we is done. I will uh, maybe back this weekend with a classic rock one, but like I said, I'm going to be out of town until Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Uh, late, oh, I bet I'll do something Monday, which is a holiday. So there'll be, probably be another classic rock one. If you haven't listened to the Warren Zevon did a, one I did a couple days ago, it's good. Um, give it a shot if you're at all interested. Otherwise, be good to yourselves and each other. And uh, oh yeah, if you, if there's anything you wanna um, if you wanna reach me, you can always reach me at any of the venues that I mentioned earlier or Mark at heartofmarkness.com. Thanks a lot for listening. I hope you're well. Be good to yourselves and each other.